in the last several weeks, I've received several different telephone calls and email messages about a couple of uh, Matthew Steele's recent messages, a comment about our uh, having several good speakers here in the congregation. In fact, we have nine men that speak, and one caller said, you have more speakers there than some congregations have in their assembly. And so we've been blessed at that, to have a variety of messages on uh, prophecy, on history, on uh, current living, uh, some touching on political themes, uh, on, on uh, basic doctrines, on how-to. So we have a, a variety of messages over the year, and we've been blessed to be able to know that uh, we have been effective in uh, the few years that uh, some of us have been speaking and sharing the uh, Word of God that he's given us insight into. But the greatest benefit is the many messages of Jesus Christ over the last couple of thousand years almost that have helped untold millions to better understand his word. And in John, the second chapter, we read that uh, about Jesus, and that's the, the title of the uh, message today from John, the second chapter. Uh, verse 23, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover... In the feast today, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. So Jesus knew mankind. And so in his preaching and his teaching, the messages that he had, uh, he spoke purposefully and directly uh, to address the things that man needed in his life to become a better person. In uh, Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 1, uh, when he withdrew from his disciples, it says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. And so Jesus, when he withdrew from the multitudes and just took the disciples privately, the, the Greek here is, gives the sense that he was prepared, that he gave a very organized, orderly series of messages. And we read, we read those in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We call that the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I'm not going to address all of the varied themes and the relationship of those uh, teachings in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to look at a couple of uh, scripture portions today to uh, see, as Jesus calls our attention to it, to something that will help us be a better person. Not to aggrandize our carnal human nature, but to help us have the divine nature that is in us, God in us, help that develop till we're a better person and we're more like God is. Now, our first uh, part of our message comes to us today from uh, the Sermon on the Mount here, Matthew 5, I'm just going to break in here, to uh, verse 41. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him too. Now, 
uh, what does that mean uh, to us? And how can we be, and I've termed this phrase over the years, a second mile Christian? How can we be a second mile Christian? Well, it says here that if we are compelled, now, we can look at the history and say, well, in the Roman Empire, they had a right over the citizens to compel them to carry their baggage, and they had a limit that they could do that. They could uh, compel them to carry it a mile, and they would have to get somebody else. And so the citizens uh, uh, of uh, Judah, of Israel, had to uh, submit to that. But what does it really mean to be a second-mile Christian and to go into uh, the uh, sense of that spiritually and do what, what Jesus told us to do? Now, notice here he said here that uh, if any man will compel thee, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him too. So, the first mile is our duty. We've been told to do something, and we'll, we'll address this a little later. First mile, it's expected of us, commanded of us, and so we do that. The second mile is willingly and carefully to take the extra effort, the uh, volunteer, uh, volunteering to go further on than is required. The extra mile is uh, not just doing the minimum, but doing the plus or the extra above the minimum. Now we'll look at uh, a few examples on this. Uh, we could maybe say, and we can think about this already, uh, the parents would say to their child, take out the trash. Well, take out the trash, that's what they're told to do, but putting the trash bags back in, or doing it without being told, doing it regular. That'd be going the second mile, over just the duty. Now, we all pay taxes, that's the government requires us to pay taxes. But we do it willingly, and cheerfully, and carefully, don't we? We don't resist the government and take up arms and we're not militant about it and uh, we're told uh, certain things legally that we are to do and we do those that's our duty we respond and then where we can go the extra mile and do it cheerfully with a smile and agreeable and not resist and not fight back and uh, so uh, as a citizen we, we can do those things now we know you and I know that if if we can change the system, if it's possible to reform the laws in a nice way, uh, politely and carefully, you know, it's okay to do that. If we can convince our parents, you know, I'm doing my school studies and uh, can I take the trash out later if we can do that, you know, that's understandable. We're not talking about doing things that are illegal or criminal, you know, if you're, somebody tells you, uh, do this, you must do this. Uh, all the citizens now, they're, they're getting ready to pass laws on this to give uh, permission to it, but let's say the law says everybody has to smoke marijuana. That doesn't mean you have to smoke too. That means you just can resist it, you know, in a nice way. You don't have to, if it's illegal, if it's breaking God's law, if it's against the conscience, if it's something that is not correct to do, but if it's legal to do, the speed limit is 40 miles an hour. We go 40 miles an hour. 
or 43. I think they usually allow a little bit, like a little bit of a latitude. You can maybe go 43, but if you go 95, you know, and I've told this before uh, about the policeman that uh, stopped the guy, and he said, sir, you were speeding. And, and, no, I was not. And he said, yes, you were. I know. I clocked you. You were speeding. No, I was not speeding. And he noticed the woman on the seat there in front, and so he says, is that your wife? And he said, yes, sir, it is. So he asked her, he says, ma'am, was your husband speeding? And she said, officer, I learned a long time ago not to say anything when my husband's been drinking. <laughs> oh, that's a groaner, huh? <laughs> okay, okay. Now, in Ephesians, <laughs> you'll be thinking about that. You can, uh, you can take that and pass it on. You can share it a little bit if you want to. You can tell somebody else that. That'd get a laugh somewhere. Uh, Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 20. And I, I've told that. I, you know, I tell those several times because everybody's not always here when I tell it the first time around. So if you get it the second or third time around, just think somebody wasn't here and didn't hear it the first time. So I won't tell that one for a while. Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 20. This is, this is a, a wonderful scripture here as so many are, but it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Notice this. This is the way God is. God does exceeding abundantly above all. He goes a second mile. He d That's our example. That's, if we could do that like he does, go the second mile. God says... Do something, do it cheerfully and agreeably and, and uh, happily. And if you can do more, do more uh, where it's possible. God says a good example for that. He expects us to do not only our duty, that's our responsibility, but he expects us and wants us to do more. Now, um, the second part of our message, and by the way, uh, just before we leave this, uh, there's more to this and surrounding, and I, and I don't want to take the time here uh, to look at this, but just uh, here in verse uh, 38 it says, You've heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you that you resist the not evil, but whosoever shall smite you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. So in the same theme and principle, he has several illustrations here of turning the other cheek, of going the second mile, of not fighting back and not resisting back, of submitting to that uh, uh, violence there if you can. And now, there, there is a time, and, and we'll look at some of this a little later, when a person has to maybe uh, take a, a defense. Uh, if any man sues you at the law and takes away your coat, let him have your cloak also. So be willing to submit and be willing to not fight and resist and to be willing to give up more than is uh, taken or required or asked. And you could think about that a while. Uh, most people don't want to do that, but to think about uh, an illustration of how that can occur. Uh, give to him that asked you, and from him that would borrow of you, turn not away. So now, if you can, give to someone where, where they have a need, but here again, according to God's law and according to the law. Uh, somebody is uh, 
wanting you to give them something that's illegal or against the law or something, you don't have to do that. We know, we know that. You don't want to break one law to, to try to fulfill something here. So we have to use common sense and we have to be willing to go the second mile and to turn the other cheek and to give and help where we can legally and to do it cheerfully and agreeably and with a, uh, a good uh, clear conscience uh, where it's legally permissible. Now, second part here in this is in uh, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount here in uh, Matthew the sixth chapter we read verse 3 but when you do alms let not your left hand know what your right hand does now what does this mean and, and how can we do this uh, how can we do something and not know about it and, and keep it from ourselves? Uh, so there are four verses here that Jesus used to explain this. And we can back up here. And I told them in uh, Bible study and maybe even from the pulpit here, whenever we see the word but or however or nevertheless, or and, so many times when we read that, then we have to back up to see what is preceding it to get the context and to, and to get the full gist of what is being said there. So let's go back to verse 1 here and notice what Jesus said. Take heed. So here's a caution to all of us and a warning and, and something that we all just take heed. That you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. So now alms. We know what alms are. Alms is doing good, doing righteousness, giving money, giving help, giving to the church, giving to uh, someone else in deeds and acts of righteousness. It's doing good. So we have to take heed and not do this before men to be seen of them. Now, how many uh, times do people do things to be seen? To parade, to vaunt themselves, to get credit, their ego, their vanity. They promote themselves. And that's contrary to what Jesus said. Notice he said, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. So, in life, we know there's a reward. We have salvation, God's free gift. But as Christians, as believers, as saints, we also have reward, reward from God. So if somebody does something and they promote it to others or to be seen of men, that's their reward among men. They lose out on God's reward. They don't get any reward from God. So if we want reward from God, then we need to do what we're going to do in our alms privately as much as possible knowing that God will reward us from heaven. Wherefore, or therefore, therefore, when, not if, but when, it's expected that we do, when you do your alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets. Notice here, not only in the synagogue, at church service, in the worship service among brethren, but also privately as we go about our daily life, 
uh, on the job, in the street, in the community, publicly. Uh, we don't want to sound like, hey, you know, look at me, I'm, I'm somebody great. Uh, blow the trumpet, let everybody see uh, before men so that they know uh, what we're doing. Now, now, I'm going to have to interrupt here just a little bit. Back up just a little bit here because there's not a conflict here. Jesus knew exactly what he was saying and he laid it out in a very orderly and very systematic order. All of these teachings, these many, many different uh, uh, profound instructions of how to do something and what to do. And he noticed back over in uh, the beginning in Matthew, the fifth chapter, after the Beatitudes in verse 13, he said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You don't like old salt, damp, wet, uh, unsalty. You just throw it, away, throw it out. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, so we have three things here. We have salt, we have light, and we have a city on a hill. The light is movable, but it gives light. And the city on a hill, everybody can see it, and the salt is white and pure and, and adds and is very beneficial. But notice it's what we are. He said, this is what you are. What we are is to be this way. This is what we are. Now, what, what are we to do? This is what he's saying here in uh, chapter 6. Now he's addressing what we do. How we do our alms. And uh, notice uh, that uh, when you do your alms, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. And I want to go to uh, a scripture here in um, Romans, the 12th chapter. Interrupt just a little bit here. Uh, two other scriptures in Romans and Timothy. And Romans 12, 9. Paul said, breaking into the uh, instructions here of so much character qualities that we need to emulate from these verses in our life let love be without dissimulation now dissimulation means hypocrisy guile deceit so we're to be pure minded our love is to be pure and without hypocrisy and without deceit and Jesus himself said when we do this don't sound a trumpet as the hypocrites, as the dissimulators, we could say, do, in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. But I say unto you that they have their reward. And so what we want is to have glory of God, not glory of men. Oh, men love praise because their deeds are evil. You know, it's so human to want to be recognized, to be praised to be lifted up to be vaunted you know for people to speak well of us and the scriptures tell us woe be unto you when all men speak well of you it's like 
you know, you meet somebody you haven't seen for a long time and they say, oh, it's so good to see you. You haven't changed a bit. I would recognize you anywhere. Please, don't ever tell anybody that. You're just the same old bum you were 20 years ago. You haven't changed a bit. No, we want to change. We want to grow. Not the carnality to be continuing and expressing to be worse, but the divinity, the God in us, the Christ in us, the character in us, to be better. We want to be at our best, our better self. And so when somebody says, says you know, uh, there's something different about you. Uh, what is it? You know, it's a sparkle in your eye. It's the, it's the quality of your character. Yes, the, your language. Uh, you don't talk like you used to. You speak different. You act different. You dr in fact, you dress different. In fact, you look different. You're, you're older and your hair's changed color, but they recognize the goodness rather than the carnality uh, that, is, uh, that is in us. Now, continue on in verse 3. But when you do alms, let not your left hand know what your right hand does, that your alms may be in secret, and your father which sees in secret himself shall reward you openly. Now, we know uh, Jesus as a human being. And it says several times he hid himself and he withdrew from men. And he lived a life, generally the first 30 years of his life was in obscurity. Contrary to uh, pseudo uh, material that's written about he did all these miracles in his youth and his childhood and all the things that he did. Because we know from John, the second chapter, that the first miracle that Jesus did, remember at his mother's request at the wedding, was to change the good water into good wine. And that was the first and the beginning of his miracles. So he lived 30 years a life of obscurity. And much of his life as a man, he tried to live in humility and meekness. I'm meek and I'm lowly. And he withdrew, and he turned and ran, and he didn't uh, defend himself. But when it came to defending his mission, his sonship, his Godhead, he was strong in that. And he didn't let anyone take advantage or malign the calling and the mission that he had as the Son of God. But as a man, he was very meek and lowly and Mike, and, and, and we know he turned the other cheek and he, and he ran and he uh, hid himself. Now, uh, from my notes here, uh, I've got uh, quite, oh yes, I was going to go to uh, second. Timothy. Let's, let's read that in the third chapter, uh, 2 Timothy, the second chapter, verse 3. No, it's uh, 2 Timothy, third chapter, verse 2. Paul's talking about the end time, and he's describing how there's no also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And we see this. 
And we know this, Paul said, it's going to be worse and worse. Men are getting worse and worse. And we can, when we survey the world scene, we know things are getting worse. And we're going to be suffering some things in our beloved nation of America that some of the other countries have been experiencing for a lot of their history and, and present times. And it's going to get uh, pretty bad in uh, America here. We see that from other messages on prophecy and from the Word of God. But in verse 2, For men, this is talking about the end time, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. And he goes on to describe in those different uh, character traits of about 19 there what carnality and what human beings are like. But lovers of their own self. It seems like, isn't that, so many people are caught up in self-love and self-aggrandizement of how important and how good they are. So let me say this, uh, as a Christian, quietly and privately, we shouldn't be keeping a... Uh, diary of how good we are. You know, some people keep a diary of their life and of their things that they do in life and their conversations and things, but a, um, a righteous or religious diary, we shouldn't be doing that. In fact, a lot of the things we just do that are good and we don't even pay attention to it and we forget about it and uh, that's hard. That's really hard, isn't it? It's hard to do. But we should do as much good as possible to as many people as possible as often as possible without self-consciousness, without being aware of it. Do it in secret as our Father sees in secret and He'll reward us openly. Now, the natural man, his impulse is to uh, get credit, to outdo others, to return a favor for selfish reasons, expect praise from men, to be seen of men. That, that's the normal human nature. We can see that expressed in the world so uh, constantly and so continually. The spiritual-minded man tries to do things privately with a poor, meek, humble spirit doing the public deeds in the same way not letting, let, not letting our right hand know what our left hand does now our alms that we do brethren will be seen by others we can't escape that I, I'm in the public ministry right now. I'm speaking publicly. You see me. You know me. We know one another. We do things publicly. There are certain things that we do uh, from time to time publicly. Uh, good deeds of help and righteousness and uh, you know we all in a sense see without judging one another, without either condemning one another or excusing one another, but we judge righteous judgments. We make a right determination as Jesus told us to. We should judge righteous judgment. We should make a right decision when it comes to other people and not condemn them wrongly. So when we do alms and we're seen of men, then let it be what we're doing to glorify God, not self. So we try to um, be a right and a good person. I'm searching for words here to express 
how humbly and meekly and how we do things from a lowly Christian godly manner not trying to vaunt and trying to impress people with the carnality with the who we are the self-importance of who we are you know what I'm trying to say so how much can we do this week this month this year Jesus was the way that he told us he was not a hypocrite he was that way let's see how much like Jesus we can be and how much we can inculcate his approach in life the way he was and his character so whatever we are whatever we do everything let it be to glorify God and not ourselves.